Hey friend, Becky here. I'm your host and you're listening to We Are Free. This is a podcast about letting go of what we think our lives should look like and the sweet freedom God has for us on the other side of surrender. If you're new here, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes with the incredible women I get to chat with every week. And if We Are Free has been an encouragement to you, it would mean so much to me if you headed over to iTunes to rate and review the show. Thank you so much for all of your support. All right, let's get going. I can't wait for you to listen to this latest episode. Welcome to We Are Free, episode 69. My guest today is Ali Casaza. Ali is on a mission to eradicate the hot mess mom stereotype by empowering other women. She has built a massive audience and multi-million dollar online business based on her proven family-oriented approach to minimalism. She is also the host of The Purpose Show, a chart-topping podcast, and the creator of multiple online programs and courses that garner tens of thousands of registrations each time they run. Her platforms continue to grow every day as more women discover her life-changing approach to creating an abundant life. She was raised in Southern California and recently moved to Greenville, South Carolina with her husband, Brian, where they homeschool their four young children. Welcome, Allie. I am really grateful for this time together. I think I emailed your PR girl like two years ago, so I'm so grateful you're here. <laughs> oh my gosh, yay, we're finally here. And yeah. thank you, Becky, so much for, I know what it takes to like, to build a platform that people actually listen to. And you sharing that with me is, I'm really, really grateful. So yes, thank you. Thank you. And you guys, I'm holding her new book. Um, it's called Declutter Like a Mother. And I don't swear too often, but Allie looks like a badass on the cover of this book. <laughs> That's the vibe. Yes, I love it. And I'm pretty sure she's going to teach you how to be a badass in your own home and life too. I read the whole book already. It's out September 7th. I got an early copy. Um, and I'm just, I'm excited for you to hear what she has to say because she's taught me a lot. And I know like take some notes, like pull a few things away from this and go take some action. Anyway, Allie, you or a girl that we might look at and say, Allie's got it all together. She's got this book. She's got this business. She's got all these things. And you do, but I also know you're human. Um, I'd love to hear if you could just kind of set the scene for us, what life was like before you started decluttering your own life and home and kind of compare that to now um, where you're at. And I'm sure you're still like, there are things that you struggle with because you're human. Uh, but maybe first just paint the scene of what life was like back then. And we'll, then we'll dive into what it's like today. Yeah, of course. So everything that I do online in my business, in the book, uh, everywhere, really just stems from my own personal struggle, um, which I think most most messages that hit home for people, they come from a really hard time. And we can all relate to that. So for me, I, I have four kids now, um, but at the time I had three and they were all really, really little babies and toddlers, all like I had all my kids back to back to back. And, um, I was just in this place where I was a new mom, had all these little ones was super, super overwhelmed, of course, cause it was an overwhelming time. Um, but more than that, I felt like I was definitely depressed and to be truthful, I was in this place where I was kind of like, okay, like, do I, do I need medicine? Like, do I need to go back to therapy? Like, what do I need? And I was just kind of feeling into that, trying to figure it out. Um, but there was this sense of dread that I'd wake up with every morning that I felt a lot of feelings about. I would wake up and just feel like, almost like I'd become like lucid 
and then like not want to open my eyes because I was afraid it would be daylight and I'd have to do it all again. That is not the vibe (laughs) for being like a mom. Like that is, that is just not what we're meant to do. I don't think that's why we're here. I don't think that there's ever a season that God is like, yeah, that was my intention. Mm -hmm. Good luck. Like, I just, I don't believe that's why we're here. Um, And so I was struggling with that because it had, I had been there for quite a while. It wasn't going away. And I had experienced postpartum depression with my first, this felt very different. It felt situational, if that makes sense. And at the same time, as I was aware of that, I didn't know what to do to change the situation because there was so much in my face all the time and so much to react to. And that's all I did was I wasn't even like responsive and grounded. I was like reacting and like to everything, like shouting at toddlers, reacting to message, reacting to my house, reacting to the kids, reacting to being and way too many obligations to other people because I didn't know how to say no, Mm -hmm. like just reacting to everything all the time, all day. It was mentally, physically, and emotionally draining. So of course I was depressed. Of course I felt dread. Who wants to wake up to that? And that right there is, is where I was at. Who wants to wake up to this? So I just don't want to be a mom anymore. That's where I was. And as ugly of a truth as that is, I always say it because I want women to know if they've ever been there or are currently there, I have been there where I literally was like, what are like the other options? Like, could I just like not, what if I wasn't here anymore? I did have those thoughts. Yeah. So getting there and knowing like this isn't working um, was a big deal. And from that place, I shifted into like, okay, like, God, I need help. Um, I don't know what to do. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Like, I'm just so frustrated. Like, show me. And long story short, I had this one specific day that was really, really bad that I write about in the book. Um, And I locked myself in the bathroom and I just straight up cried out in anger, like not praying, like yelling and into my hands, into my tears, like, where the F are you? What is going on? Why aren't you helping me? What am I doing wrong? And I basically ended up just kind of getting this aerial perspective over my life and seeing myself going through the days and just reacting, like I said, to everything. And it's funny because I think I was having this moment and I'll never forget it. It was very like, it was like an epiphany. And I think I expected some philosophical response. But what I really noticed was pretty practical. I just saw how much I was doing that was unnecessary, like in my physical space with my kids, you know, with my calendar, like I saw how much I was in ownership of, but wasn't taking ownership of. Does that make sense? Yeah. And that's the worst feeling. Cause then you feel like you're failing because you're not doing a good yeah. job in any and of like, it. Yeah. It's like, yeah, not only is it a disaster, but I'm also terrible at everything. So it was just, but it was almost empowering. Like, oh, like if I'm cleaning up all this crap, that doesn't even matter. And saying yes to all of these things that shouldn't be getting my energy. Like I can stop it all. And I even kind of like, I had this, I went through the, that was like the morning. I went through the rest of the day. I made the kids dinner, whatever. And was just thinking like, 
what if there was nothing to even do except what I want to do? What if there were no dishes to wash, no clothes to clean, nothing to clean up? Obviously, that's not realistic, but it just got me thinking like I would literally be able to be present. I'd be able to figure out like what I want, who I am. I'd be able to blog more and be able to do what I want to do. So what how close could I get to that though? Yeah. Like if there, I can't get to nothing, but what if there was just way less? I'm just, I was seeing how much excess everybody has had decided was acceptable and normal and how much of it was unnecessary and literally taking my time. Um, and I didn't want to be the mom that snapped at her toddler all the time. Like that's not me. That's not what I want. And if stuff was making me so stressed out and so cleaning up all the time, that's who I was, then forget it, ditch it. What's it, what's it worth? Um, And so I just tried that. I think I was just so desperate that I tried that. And I just started to remove things and take on this like minimalistic sense of being. And it completely changed my life. And I started, I had a blog, I started sharing it and it grew into this big business that's completely changed my life again. And and here we are. Yeah. No, that's amazing. And I know that we can all relate in different seasons, whether it's like an overall theme in our life or just like seasons that we're in. But um, so how many years ago was that? That was like nine years ago. Okay. And where are you now today? Like now, what is your relationship with stuff like? Um, Again, I think we look at someone like you and we say, Allie's got it all together. She doesn't struggle with this anymore. Is that true or not? No, not at all. But it's just that I understand what I can control and what I cannot control. And I understand, like, let me paint the picture like this. Motherhood is a lot. It is a friggin' lot. It is really hard. It is all consuming. It does involve a lot of, you're basically like exerting a lot. You're putting out a lot. The output percentage is really high all the time. And because of stereotypical hot mess mom culture that we can talk about too, there's very little inputting. There's not a lot going in to the woman. She's just putting out everything, her energy all the time. And so if, that doesn't need to be the case, first of all. But even in balanced, harmonious, grounded motherhood, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, and we can't really change that. I mean, really, when it comes down to it, we really wouldn't want to. We like it. It's right. just too much sometimes. Well, if that's the case, then what are the things that we can control and how do we control them? We simplify it. You simplify things that don't need to be so freaking hard don't need to be so complicated, don't need so much excess so that you have space for, you know, the stuff to hit the fan, for life to happen, for there to be an emergency, for there to be a really hard cross-country move, (laughs) for there to be, you know, a death in the family, for there to be things that are really hard, for there to be survival mode because you're not already there. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. You're just creating lightness where you can. It's not about having a perfect life. It's about simplifying what you can control so that you can be present for your life instead of cleaning up after it. That's the message in the book. That's the message of what I do. Yeah. And being available for the things you can't control in a way that isn't like you were saying earlier, like so reactive, like all the time, like being in survival mode all the time. Yeah. It makes you a better, lighter version of yourself. You're, you know, my relationships improved, my marriage improved, my relationship with myself improved. Like, uh, I had a clue who I was because I had some time to sit and think and journal and pray and drink coffee and just be, I mean, who gets that when they're a mom of three babies and toddlers, it was remarkable how much lighter I felt and how this changed my life. And 
this is a time where minimalism wasn't really a thing. Not that I knew of. There wasn't, you know, best-selling books. There wasn't a documentary. I didn't really have that word in my vocabulary at all. I was just figuring out that it was too much. And what if there was just less? So you don't need a label. You don't need like rules. You just need to figure out what is helping you and what's hurting you. And what are you in ownership of? I think a lot of the time women give up their power and we're just kind of like, this is too hard. It is what it is. But what of this could you shift? You're in control of much more than you give yourself credit for most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I love in the book, you talk about minimalism in a way that isn't like, you should have four bath towels. You should have, you know, one set of sheets for whatever. You get to decide what it is like for you and your family. And I think you're hitting on that right now, like how we decide what that looks like for ourselves and our families and how that's different for everybody. And I just, I love that approach. It's not like you can only have a certain number of things. Um, but that yeah. said, Allie, what are some things over the years, some toys, um, things that like you never got rid of as a minimalist? Like what are the things that like have stayed and remained in your home? That's such a good question. And no one has asked me that. Oh my gosh. I love it. Okay. Um, the first thing that comes to mind is toys that help the kids create something or imagine something. So when they were really little, that looked like building blocks and train sets, like things that make them construct something and then things that make them imagine something. So like dress up clothes, um, like the kind of like baby dolls that Bella would actually like create a scenario around, not the toys and dolls that like do all the imagining for them, you know? Mm. Um, and then as they got a little bit older and could kind of play on their own without me having to like, walk, you know, when they're really little, if they go outside, you have to go outside. <laughs> like, if, But when they get a little older and you can say go outside, things that got them outdoors has been the biggest thing for me. I really, really, really want my kids to be connected to nature. Um, and so anything that will do that, anything at all, bikes, you know, scooters, different like ball games, anything like that. Um, and then outside of the kids, for me, I, I, I'm sure you've heard me talk about the story. I think it's in the book, too, of when I tried a capsule wardrobe. I, I'm with you. I read that and I was dying laughing because I'm not a, I love color and I love like different patterns and stuff. So last fall, God, like, sorry, I like, last fall I tried this no, and okay. I felt depressed. I opened my closet and I was like, Literally. this is not me. This is not me. It's simple, but I don't wear gray all the time. Like, no, anyway, go ahead. I know that people say capsule wardrobes can have patterns. and they yeah. can, you know, No, but then I'm just so obsessed over the rules and like, okay, you know, like, I really like that top. But I don't, I don't know if it's capsule enough. Like I was so stressed yeah. out and depressed. Like I'm good with giving up some of my time and space to have options because that is my personality. If I wasn't doing what I was doing today, I know I would do something empowering women to like be confident in their bodies and express themselves through the way they dress. Like I love fashion. Yeah. So it, things like that, like basically anything if you'll notice all the things I'm listening to your question are things that align with who I am, who I am as a mom, how I want my kids childhood to go, who I am as a person and getting dressed. Like don't let go of the things that are who you are. And we talk about all of this in the book and how that relates to sentimental things and everything. But yeah, what is working for you? Why would you let it go? Just because you don't need it to take your next breath doesn't mean you can't have it. <laughs> right, right. Totally. Uh, why do you think we hoard and continuously go to Target and buy a million things we don't need because they're beautiful or fun and they make us feel good in the moment? Like, I think we all know as like adult women that 
you know, consuming is not going to fulfill us. We know that deep down, yet we do it or can in certain seasons or have in the past or are currently doing it. Like, let's talk about mm-hmm. contentment versus consumerism and like hoarding and like constantly buying. Like, wh- why do we do this? Yeah, such a good question. You're asking such good questions. I love this interview so much. You're sweet. So I think that there's a lot of layers to this and I think it depends on the person. But what I have found is most common is avoidance. So people overindulge in things, whether it's food or relations with other people or social media consumption or shopping, because they're avoiding something deeper. I've experienced this myself. I've talked openly about my struggle with binge eating um, and even like coming from being under the U.S. poverty line to having like wealth in my business and like feeling like I needed to comfort myself with like, I'm able to buy things. I'm able to buy food and like overdoing it. Like there's always a deeper issue. My book is not a book about clutter. It's a book about the deeper issues that clutter is a symptom of. It's a book about self-love and getting yourself to a better place where your home is actually serving you because you're worthy of that, right? So it's about what is the underlying issue? What are you avoiding? What are you covering up? What are you trying to change and not dealing with that shopping and overly consuming is, you know, the symptom of what's the root cause there. And I think also like one of my favorite things, my favorite practices even today is the art of appreciating and enjoying something without having to have it and bring it in my home. I can go to Target now and go down the, you know, the Magnolia section or, you know, whatever home decor, the jungle line yes, and see something and that's be like, yeah, that's the one. <laughs> that's the one. That's like, oh my gosh, I'm, I have arrived. I can go there and be looking for something that I actually need and see something that's like, oh my God, that is so cute. And then you kind of go through in your head, right? Like, well, I don't really have anywhere to put that. I don't know where I would put that. That pillow doesn't really go anywhere. I already got new ones. I, you, you don't need it. And be able to like, wow, well done, Justina Blakeney. That is beautiful and amazing. And I don't need to have it. Nothing bad is going to happen. You're not, it's the FOMO of feeling like you're going to miss out on something if you don't take it home and you're not. So really it comes down to awareness, being aware of yourself and what issues you may be avoiding in shopping and why you feel panicked. Like you have to have that or you're missing out on something. Um, Like I said, it's never about the shopping. It's never about the clutter. It's about the deeper seated issues that are causing those things. Yeah. One thing I uh, realized and thought about after reading your book and like, I'm a, I'm a creative person. I love like moving things around in our home. I love rearranging. It drives my husband crazy, but it's like, it's a creative like practice for me. It's fun. It helps me feel content with what we have. And like, if you change it up, it gives you some newness. Um, yeah. What I loved, one thing you talk about in your book is like setting an intention for each room. So like our bathroom, we have one bathroom right now. And I like, I hated the shower curtain and it drove me crazy. And since I'm a visual person, like I went to Target and I was like, okay, what do I want our bathroom to look like? And I, I did it. And now I'm so content, but it didn't cost me a lot of money. But what I what I want to touch on is like setting that intent. I was feeling like, oh, every time I was in our bathroom and now I feel like I'm in a jungle because that's what I like <laughs> when I'm in the shower, apparently is to feel like I'm in a jungle. But um, yeah. anyway, I, I just want to like touch on like buying. I think there's a place for purchasing the things that do make you feel, you know, like the space and the home that you want. Um, it provides the things that you need for your home. So I think that 
yes, we can buy things, but like, let's not buy everything, but touching on your point in the book, let's buy things that support, you know, that intent that we set for our home or for that room. Um, Allie, can you give us a little bit, I know in your book, you talk about like the difference between like your living room and your family room and just give an example of what that might look like in people's homes um, and like the difference and how you set that up. Yeah. So the difference between the living room and the family room or the difference in intentions for each room? Yeah. Like the intentions for each room. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it comes down to like you and you specifically in your space. So an example of what I mean by that is in one of the homes that we lived in recently, because we just moved the dining room, it just, there was so much space where we actually ate by the kitchen. We didn't need another dining room. So that was actually turned into a homeschool space. So we, the home, the home designer intended for it to be a dining room, but we didn't need it for that. So the intention I set was, okay, actually we could really use a really big open space for homeschooling. Cause we have like a really, really big long table that is like a homeschool desk. And so that's what we used it for. And we put shelving in there, like everything that went in there aligned with our intention. So it doesn't need to like get out of the box of what your home was designed to be and think, what do you need it to be? And then getting a little bit more micro with that each room, like, okay, so this is my bathroom. How do I want to feel in here? Who am I in this room? What am I using this room for? How do I want to feel when I'm doing those things? Like it's so, we just don't think about that. Kind of when we're house shopping, we think of through these things when we're looking at spaces, but then once we buy it and move in, it's so chaotic. We just don't ever think about it again. And it's just kind of stepping back and setting, getting intentional with what we need the space to do for us. And then that will help you know what to put in it and what to get out of it. Um, and it can be anything. It's any space. It can be anything for you. Maybe you need the room to be your, your bedroom, your haven, but practically you really need the corner to be your office, even though that's not ideal, you know, it can be even sectioned off even more micro. So it, you do whatever you want to do, but it's just about thinking through it. We just often don't even think through it and we just throw crap everywhere and complain that it's messy and doesn't feel good. Yeah. I think like what it all boils down to and what you talk about, it's just the, the intention of things, intentionality and like combining intentionality with contentment um, for me, like right now we have a smaller space, um, and th that's what we have, but like, I think you can make the most of it and still be yeah. content. And I just want to bring it back to contentment. Like how do we find true contentment, even when we haven't decluttered, even in just the life and the craziness and the chaos that we're in, like how, where, where can we find that contentment and why is that so important instead of just like drowning in all the stuff around us? Yeah, it's cool that I like that you brought that up because contentment is really the basis for any change. If you're, I mean, I'll use bodies for an example. If you like are unhappy with your body and you decide you want to change that and you're hating it, you can't even look in the mirror. You can't like, there's an exercise I did once in a body love program where they had you like place your hands on the, like the, the post baby part of your belly. And I had such a hard time even touching it. Like how sad, right? But we get to this point where we're like, I just remember pulse. I don't want to, and I'm just, I'm going to diet and I'm going to work out harder. And, I, and you're coming from that energy. Things will often not shift. The body feels panicked and actually holds on to fat and gets really stressed out. So when we get grateful and we're grateful, like this body gave me so much, this body has done so much. I look really freaking good, actually. Like this is so, I'm so grateful. The body feels safe and can release. And it's the same thing with any change. Right. So in our home, 
I'm so grateful that my biggest problem with my space right now is that it's a little too small. Like that, I I so relate to that because you know what you want in your mind, but you don't have it yet. And so it's, it's hard, but I'm so grateful that I can have people over here still. I'm so grateful for this yard. I'm so grateful for the privacy. I'm so grateful for the white walls in my office, like prime for recording and photography, right? Mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for whatever. You're getting to this place where you're just kind of elevating out of the slump because of the way you're thinking and the words you're saying and the way you're feeling. Like it's real. That works. Like you're getting out of that stuck place and you're more expansive. You're more, you're more likely to have a really great idea to solve a problem in your space that you never saw before to see the gaps and know how to bridge them and make your house work for you instead of against you, which is a huge theme in the book. Like it's all about getting happy and grateful and content and aware and coming at it from this perspective of everything is so good I'm, I don't want to see it as bad anymore, but I also want to make it better. Right. And when you're thinking contentment thoughts, you're way more likely to be, you're in a positive, you're in a positive vibe. Right. You're going to be way more likely to be thinking of those positive ideas that can really help take it to the next level and make it what you want it to be. Yeah. I love that. And that's so true. Like all of this is like so much perspective and mindset and, you know, we all know we have crappy days and we have great days. You can be in the same situation and that day can go either way. So I I like how you're bringing that up. Allie, what does decluttering have to do with faith? Um, If Mm. you can, if anything, where, where are you at on that? Yeah, absolutely. I think it has everything to do with it because no matter what your faith is or where you come from, I mean, it really is like, don't you want space for that? Like, don't you want to be able to have space to sit and think and talk to God for a freaking second when you've got like kids running around and so much to do? Like, don't you want to get grounded and centered? Isn't that going to be so much easier when things are not, you're not literally sitting down in a sea of to-dos and things pulling at you and knowing like, I'm in a space that does not support me. I'm in a space that makes my life harder. I'm in a space that I pay for that I technically work for because that's how much harder it's making my life. But let me just like sit and like meditate and pray and like talk to God and read my Bible. Like, no, it's, it's so much harder. So I really feel, and I believe this so wholeheartedly because this is an area of my life that got so much more depth when I did all of this with decluttering, it makes space for what matters. And if what matters to you is your faith, you are making space for that. I also think dealing with our ish And it's therapeutic to declutter, getting that out, dealing with our tendency to hoard things, dealing with our tendency to keep things just in case. What, why, why are you, that's fear-based. What fear do you have getting out of that lack mindset? That's a faith act. Like it's all connected, you know, know, as well as I do, it's all connected for us. Yeah. There's so many lessons in decluttering and it has everything to do with your faith. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, And I'm just like a white space kind of person. I need it like in all categories of my life. Like I can tell when I'm feeling like, I tell my husband often, like I feel claustrophobic and even I just need like room in in every area of my life. So I can tell when I like the walls feel like they're closing down and how that affects my relationship with God because it totally does. Yeah. Yeah, it's hard to focus. I mean, it, it's not you, like it's science. It's a fact, like it, it it really affects us. So it just makes sense that that area of our life and that particular relationship would improve if you're feeling so much lighter. Yeah. It's, you can connect with God in anything, Yeah, but if we can make it easier on ourselves, like <laughs> let's do that, right. you know? Totally. 
Um, Allie, what you talk about having an abundant life and how we can all have an abundant life. Nine years ago, you were feeling a certain way. Now life is much different. You've changed a lot of things. Like talk to us a little bit about what that abundance looks like and why why it is um, not to be striving for more. We need, you know, more success or fame or money or any of that. But like, what kind of abundance do you really mean? And just to kind of paint that picture for maybe somebody listening who is feeling just like they're drowning in the chaos, overwhelm, laundry, whatever it is, like what's on the other side? Yeah. So I believe that God wants good things for us. I believe that there's struggle. There's a part of life that's just inevitable. And like I said at the beginning, things are just hard sometimes, but we don't, you know, we don't want to make it unnecessarily harder is the whole point. Right. But with the abundance thing, it's like from your perspective, from this biblical perspective, we serve an abundant God. Why would we be purposely wanting to punish ourselves, limit ourselves, um, push ourselves into the corner and make things even harder. I think in a lot of faith communities, in my experience, there's a lot of um, like martyrdom in day to day, specifically for moms and you're nodding. So I'm assuming, you know what I'm talking about, (laughs) but it's like this, like, however hard the struggle is, is that's what makes me a better mom. However hard your life is, is as good of a mom as you are. However much chaos is how much you're so worthy of that bubble bath. Like take that break. Like you don't need to struggle. The chaos is not required. The struggle is not required. It doesn't need to be unnecessarily harder. Think about this is the, this is the abundance. If things were just simpler, if you didn't have to clean all the time, if you didn't have a bunch of dishes to do at the end of every freaking day, and there was a system in place to support you, if you had a system for laundry to where you basically never have to think about it, it just automatically gets done because you have rhythms in place and things are less. There's just less. Wouldn't you be a better wife? Wouldn't you be a better person? Wouldn't you be a better mom? Wouldn't you be a better person of faith? Wouldn't you be a better member of your community, a member of your church, friend, sister, daughter, lover? Like, wouldn't you just be better? Wouldn't you be more aligned with your real self that you're here to be? That's abundance. And that affects our communities. That affects our world. When we better ourselves and we get closer to who we're made to be, that changes the world. And there's a lot of problems in the world right now. And we need people to be stepping in to who they're made to be, connecting with God for real and not messing around with such stupid, mundane BS that gets in their way. That's what I mean by that. That's what I'm talking about. And that's what I think women need to understand and step into. Preach. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So good, Allie. Oh gosh. That's, that's, it's, it's motivating. It really is because I believe it too. And it is so easy to get wrapped up into it's hard. It's overwhelmed. I mean, yes, those things can happen sometimes, but we do not have to live in it forever. We don't have to get stuck in it. There is a way out of it, a very clear way out of it. Um, Alex, what are some things you do just on the day-to-day to to make sure that you're walking the walk, that you are living a simple life, um, that you are just doing all the things you talk about in your book and your programs? Like, what are some things you do on day-to-day just for yourself? Yeah, that's such a good question. Oh, you're on fire. Okay. Um, I feel like day-to-day, the one thing that I've shifted is my mornings. Um, I used to like kind of just wake up and want to use that creative brain space when the day is new to like jump into work. And now I intentionally don't, I usually don't start work at all till like 11 AM 10 if I have to, but usually it's 11. Sometimes it's noon. It's amazing. 
And just the morning time is simple. It's self-care. It's, um, you know, talking to God, taking a walk, going and sitting out in the woods behind my house and just breathing, um, going to a yoga class, like something that's going to just start things out simply. And I find that that theme will carry into the day, even if it's kind of crazy. I'm internally like simplified. I'm internally like grounded and slow and I get to set the pace. The exterior does not set my pace. I set my pace in the exterior. That makes sense. So I'd say that's probably the biggest one. And then practically, I'll give a practical one. Um, I think just because of what I do and, and living this life and seeing the results that it's given me, I'm kind of always looking at what could be simpler. Like when I'm going through the house, we just moved. So like when I'm unpacking and I'm setting up a space, I'm like looking at what I'm doing. I'm not just finding a spot for things because I have it. I'm like, well, do I need this in this house? Who am I in this new house? This house is different than my last one. Like I'm setting the intent. I'm scanning. I'm thinking. I think it's just like less mindless doing and more mindful being as you're doing the things that you need to do. So I'm just kind of scanning and checking. Do I need this? Even on my calendar, do I need to do this interview? Is this really going to move the needle forward? How am I feeling? Am I feeling tired? Can I remove this? Do I need, can I take a break? It's kind of always a dialogue with myself and my mind and yeah. that kind of stuff. I love it. That's really good. I'm a big fan of mornings too. I'm not a night person at all. So that stuff doesn't happen at night for me. <laughs> um, yeah. I need to zone out. I'm yeah. awake. Like I like yeah. to stay up, but I, I'm not very intentional and it doesn't work when I have to force myself to be. Yeah. And I think it's great that we, something I'm working on is like giving myself permission to not be productive or like have any sort of great thing happen after 6 p.m. Good plan. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Allie, so you mentioned before, and we all know like the deeper work is like within ourselves, our issues, our fears, whatever that is. And it's not decluttering our home. Yes, that that's a, a tool. It's a it's a journey. It's going to help us get to where we want to go, make us have some realizations. Uh, for the mama listening who is in the thick of that right now, who has a crazy cluttered home, but also probably has a crazy cluttered heart, um, what is your encouragement for her? Mm. Um, so good. I would say, what is one area of your life that you could just make a little bit lighter to give yourself some more space to figure the rest out. You don't need to figure it all out now. You don't even need to figure it all out this year, but just one thing. And my advice is to start with your environment because as Marshall Goldsmith says, your environment will either create and control you if you do not create and control it. So if you start in your environment and just like make one area simplified, make it work for you. And rather than the other way around, just one area and see how you feel and start to create that space for yourself. And all the other stuff just kind of falls into place because you're not stretched so thin. Like, keep it simple. Don't make don't make simplifying overcomplicated, which right. happens a lot. And you're just adding it to the problems <laughs> that you have. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that. Allie, what do you feel that God has set you free from like over the years and your journey in this and your business and working with all these women in your own life? What do you feel that he has set you free from? Other people's expectations, for sure. That's a big theme for me. Mm-hmm. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, in all areas. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much just for sharing all of this. You guys, her book is called Declutter Like a Mother Out September 7th, but I believe this will be out after that. But uh, Declutter Like a Mother, I already read it. I gobbled it up and I think you will too. And even though I feel like I'm pretty minimalistic, I still went through and did these things and feel even better. So get on it guys. And don't forget to go follow Allie online. Her website is AllieCasaza.com. A-L-L-I-E. 
C-A-S-A-Z-Z-A.com. And from there, you can check out her podcast, The Purpose Show, and go check her out on Instagram too. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Allie. Yay. Thank you so much. Again, don't forget to check out the show notes where we have all of the info and links and resources we talked about in the show. You can go to beckymorkecho.com, B-E-C-K-Y-M-O-R-Q-U-E-C-H-O.com. Thanks for listening in. 